It often takes something truly serious to happen to us to seriously sober up to what's truly important in life and to what's truly true also. In the midst of all this COVID-19 hysteria, you may have noticed that your kids are a bit more open to discussing life's deeper realities. Realities that were not previously acknowledged or established pre-coronavirus. The corona pandemic has offered incredible opportunities to establish the reality that certain things are inevitable, unchangeable, and totally out of our human control. Things like death, the weather, our age, our height, or our gender. Many parents whose kids now have to know how to navigate today's LGBTQ agenda are at a loss for discussion and counsel. Now, whether those struggles are personal, theological, ideological, or scientific, today's broadcast is a must in helping you set the record straight. Next on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome and thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If this is your first time joining us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. And today's topic is just one of the issues troubling some of the teens who come onto our campus. But just as a reminder, this is a parenting program, so it is for your ears, mom or dad. And given today's topic, it may not be suitable conversation for all of the kids in your household or in your car. So if you need to turn the program off for now, you can always find it later on our website at licensedparent.org. Our host on the program is Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosal. And Trace, we could do a whole program on the opportunities that this corona pandemic has offered parents and their kids, particularly with respect to these deeper discussions that I alluded to a moment ago. But today's program is about a particular discussion that seems to have gotten lost or at least shelved by the media during this pandemic. But I don't think it's one that parents need to put on a shelf. And right now, I think it would be as good a time as any for parents to take the LGBTQ discussion back off the shelf and start having some informed conversation with their kids about it. But particularly the issues of transgender. Now, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, Rich, I, I think transgender issues are the easiest to debunk from the scientific perspective anyway. Just the fact that we have to have this discussion should be evidence to the fact that, you know, if, if you perpetuate a crazy enough premise or a straight-up lie long enough, people will believe it. And then mm-hmm. history's shown that to be the case over and over and over again. But I think today's guest is going to, once again, uh, bring our parents some welcomed ammunition for this discussion because too many of today's kids, and I'm talking kids from Christian homes too, have swallowed so much of this LGBTQ propaganda Book, line, and sinker. Yeah. Well, uh, we have invited Dr. Quentin Van Meter back to the program to join us in this conversation. Yes, he is a repeat offender here, a repeat guest on Licensed Parent. Dr. Van Meter is a pediatric endocrinologist in Atlanta. He's affiliated with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And prior to coming to the city, he spent 20 years in the Navy Medical Corps. He's a clinical associate professor of pediatrics at both the Emory University and Morehouse Schools of Medicine, and he's the president of the American College of Pediatricians. Incidentally, if you'd like to listen back to the other licensed parent programs with Dr. Van Meter as a guest, you'll find those on our website at licensedparent.org. Trace? 
Well, Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to License of Parent, and welcome back to Shepherd Hill Academy. Great to be here. There's lots of building that's gone on since my last oh, visit. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and there'll be more next week. So, uh, But it is so good to have you here. Uh, it's been a while since we've been uh, last talked. I thought maybe it was a year, but Rich says 2018. That's crazy. Uh, has there been any new developments or discoveries in the past uh, year or two that uh, would bring some encouragement or maybe even some alarm to parents with respect to uh, our culture's growing celebration of LGBTQ uh, ideologies. Particularly focusing on the transgender, there have been some amazing developments, and I sort of sense that God's presence is is within this community of folks fighting this mantra that uh, gender is biologic uh, as and can replace the concept of biologic sex. Yeah, it's a truth fight. It is, uh, and it's uh, coming around to governments in Europe. The United Kingdom has just decided um, that they will cease and desist all social, medical, and surgical treatment of any person under the age of 18. Hallelujah. Uh, close down their two transgender clinics that <laughs> exist in the National Health Service there. Well, give them credit for that. Yes, and they did that because of the growing uh, sense that there was really some devious manipulation of statistics and uh, people who were in these clinics seeing processes that looked beyond science and were totally social agenda-driven and were causing essential harm, emotional harm in particular, to the kids that were involved in these right. programs. Wow. And there's a big lawsuit by one such child uh, against the, the British government health system that is in the courts there. Uh, I've had an opportunity over these past two years to, to visit uh, London twice and to talk to uh, folks at the what's called the IFTCC. It's the International Federation of Therapeutic Choice and Counseling. And um, it's an un, almost an underground organization. They really came up for air and, and uh, had a, a meeting where I was invited to speak. Uh, and it, there is a, a really significant groundswell of counselors um, in, the, in the UK who are fighting the, um, the government shutdown of their counseling of troubled kids who are looking at transgender as an answer. Uh, here in the United States, the opposite is has been occurring. There is another, probably another ten transgender health centers uh, open since I was here last uh, on this microphone, um, and there is a clear move afoot to stifle uh, any conversation from those of us who have an, an opposite opinion from the, mm -hmm. the trendy affirmation concept. Um, we are getting into medical literature. Uh, there are about eight different times we've been in, in valid, published, peer-reviewed journals, either in letters to the editor or articles, which is a, a new break. But I will tell you that it, it getting invited to speak at the national endocrine meetings across this country is an impossibility. I have really, I, I have put my foot in that door. I have emailed. I have uh, con contact with the directors and designers of the educational national meetings. For the, for the Endocrine Society and the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists. These are, these are sort of the preeminent academic uh, and clinical endocrine organizations in this country, uh, and they essentially refuse to have a, a dialogue type of uh, presentation. You know, why, why are they digging their heels in uh, to something that they have no substance to support? I mean, it's really great news to know that uh, a lot of parents can now realize, maybe I wasn't so nuts, you know? Sure. Um, and yet, we seem to be behind the curve with Europe and a lot of things. Uh, uh, this is one we need to really catch up with. Uh, why do you suppose they're digging their heels? Is it a pride thing? Is there, is there an agenda where people stand to profit? 
What's really going on? Because I, I, I see this more as an, as an industry political issue than it is anything else. Well, it's, it's, I think there are two sides to it. There are those who are in the academic um, centers who are essentially afraid that science is actually going to be brought up and exposed. Mm -hmm. And so they dig in with the repeated mantras over and over and over again at every outlet they possibly can get through um, state legislatures, um, around the country that are you know, looking at bills to protect kids from uh, transgender affirmation uh, below the age of consent of 18. Uh, they're there with a prepackaged uh, mantra, you know, things to say. It's, a, it's over and over again the same concept. So if you, if, what would you rather have, a transgender child or a dead child? And, and that, those are your choices. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's a threat with suicide, uh, you know, attempt by the child because they're unhappy. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's a, a big hammer to hit everybody with, and it's very effective. On the dark side of this are the pharmaceutical companies that are using and manufacturing puberty blockers, which are really expensive medications. We're talking about for the standard treatment under FDA-approved guidelines, about thirty thousand dollars a year to to block, wow. uh, and and that for FDA-approved indications, these these are covered by insurance companies. Oh, well, there you go. But for for the non-FDA-approved, which transgender is in that category, it's out sort of out of pocket. Mm -hmm. um, there are plastic surgery programs gearing up to create artificial uh, look-alike genital structures that can be sewn on. Um, <laughs> they have no biological function, but they are a costume piece mm -hmm. uh, that, that you, know, you rip out the original um, biologic sexual equipment, which then is replaced by something that's mm. a sort of an artificial uh, kind of a creation that has no real biologic function. It's just, again, a costume well, piece. We're a society that's getting comfortable with things that are artificial. Yes, and, and you are told that you'll be happy. And, yeah. uh, they'll parade out a couple of folks who come out and say they're extremely happy. This was the best thing they've ever done. But even the happiness is artificial because well, it doesn't go into the deeper joy, the inner, the inner part. Absolutely, they're missing that. These yeah. are people who have left the reality of a uh, hope of a God in their life that, mm -hmm. that guides them and that loves them and created them in his image and is moving forward. So um, th these are, you know, it's a separation of, of, of faith as, as if it's a disease or for, for dumb people, right. you know, who are dependent and just aren't very smart like all the secular folks who just know all the answers. And mm -hmm. so they, they really have a marketing uh, situation and there's a lot yeah. of, a, a profound amount of money in the, in the $500 million category by the Pritzker family in Chicago, who yeah. runs oh, the children's yeah. hospital. He's the governor, runs, isn't he? Is, yeah, that family, same family. He bought his governorship. And it's the Hyatt, Hyatt family, the Hyatt money family. Oh, there you go. And uh, they, mm -hmm. they run the medical school, they run the uh, children's hospital. Um, you know, they're and they just pump money in, and they—it's uh, just—it's astounding. Mm. So the thing that I've I've been doing is sort of going to uh, medical meetings that are run by transgender ac activists and sitting in quietly just to listen to what they say. Mm -hmm. Hoping, I mean, and I don't know why I should believe they would do this, that they would actually have some sort of concept of valid science that they're going to present to their colleagues. Mm -hmm. And it is all anecdotal, smarmy stuff. Uh, you know, the, the, one of the presenters in, in, the, in a program here in Georgia uh, said she was so proud because her daughters, for their Halloween costume, wanted to be unicorns. And, of course, unicorn <laughs> is the, the symbol of transgender. Right, right. And she was just so proud of them. Now, this is, um, a, this is a, a married woman with, with children, 
And she herself is promoting the concept yeah. that transgender is normal and healthy and yeah. should be accepted. Well, that's the thing. You, you got people who, who don't have an agenda but who do really believe this stuff. You know, and, and I often say uh, that if we buy into a false premise, then the rest of any story or ideology can begin to make sense. And uh, can you give us the who, what, when, where, why, and how behind some of the false premises that have duped not just the average citizens but so many mental health professionals too, going back to John Money and Kinsey and these guys? There, there's a root to, to a lot of this. Yeah, it, it was a route that sort of uh, shot up in the in the seventies and and came to a little bit of a bud and tried to gain traction, and because of the outcomes that were interesting, the the patients, the adult transgender patients, they were called transsexual back then. Um, they were uh, in, sort of reviewed personally every single one of them that was in Money's John Money's program, and what what they found was that their undercurrent emotional issues of depression and anxiety, uh, which actually they were trying to leave and to cure with assuming a new persona, uh, they, all those problems remained, every single mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they said at Hopkins at that point in time, well, we have done nothing. We've spent money. We've, ta- we've done surgical manipulations. We've done hormonal ma- manipulations. And these people still have the same undercurrent issues. Mm-hmm. So this is not a cure. Yeah. And that was what shut the program down in, in the early 1980s at Hopkins. They said, this, this, is a, you know, this is not good. This doesn't do what it says it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So it lay fallow here for you know, almost 30 or 40 years and pops up again with uh, the group in Boston starting this. Uh, the group in Boston, Dr. Uh, Spack, Norm Spack, is a pediatric endocrinologist. He sort of fell in love with the idea that um, that transgender uh, kind of concept should be applied to children and that therapy should be applied to children. Mm. Well, when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about the concept of what is a sexual perversion anymore? And uh, did this thing get started by some sexual perverts? Uh, I guess that's a, it's a tough question, and but I think it's one that needs to be asked. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's president of the American College of Pediatricians and is a pediatric endocrinologist based in Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking about, I guess, where we've taken left and right turns in the LGBTQ conversation and why this might be, this uh, pandemic time, might be a good time to renew those conversations with our kids. This is Licensed to Parent, back after this break. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by troubledteen.org. 
Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? Help My Troubled Teen. Welcome back. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. You can find out more about Shepherds Hill, and you can also find out more about Licensed to Parent and hear past programs when you visit us online at licensedtoparent.org. And we are uh, talking today with Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of the American College of Pediatricians. He's a pediatric endocrinologist based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're discussing whether or not the LGBTQ conversations that have been somewhat sidelined during this COVID-19 pandemic should be brought out on the table for further conversation with our kids. Trace? Yeah, before the break, we were talking about uh, what you would call the three musketeers. I think the guys who kind of got the ball rolling in in this direction. You know, in 2020, America's postmodern and relativistic way of thinking, uh, in other words, with everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, uh, other than sexual relations with children, and even that has to be defined uh, now as we're looking at maybe lowering the age of consent, What's really considered sexual perversion anymore? And would you have considered guys like Monty and Kinsey and and Benjamin, who did kind of get this stuff uh, rolling and accelerated, would they be considered people that um, maybe in years gone by would have been considered sexual perverts? There is no question that that having known Monty personally, I would say he falls into that category for sure. And his idea was that he would wish to see a world where there were essentially no limits on what sexual behavior uh, was right. accepted as normal or abnormal and right. that nothing would be abnormal. Sure. Chipping away at this a little at a time, we've accelerated since the – and it sort of started with the political push for same-sex parent adoption and then very quickly following that uh, same-sex marriage – and then very, very quickly following that, the concept that transgender was a, a, a biologic norm and that it, that kind of situation should be accepted. Everyone gets guilted into feeling like if you don't, if you're not kind and accepting of this, you are somehow a, a bigot. Right. Uh, and that's a great, you know, great thing to throw at people, particularly if they are themselves trying to fit in society and be good people, yeah. good-hearted people. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it's a situation where uh, it, we're guilted into accepting something that is really not part of God's plan. Right. It's the emperor's new clothes situation. Absolutely. You know, I was uh, just last night. I was uh, watching Anderson Cooper bragging on his new son. Okay, obviously adopted son, or maybe I don't know, maybe it was artificial inseminated. I don't know the situation, but his guests, you know, one of was, was a doctor, and they're just uh, yucking it up how wonderful this is. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, boy, in any other time, uh, and maybe in different locations around the world, uh, 
that would be considered child abuse. But because this guy can deliver the news well and you know has a good mind and other uh, other aspects of his life, he gets a pass. I don't know how else to put it. But, uh, Rich, you, you wanted to chime in here. Well, well I do. Not, not so much about the Anderson Cooper thing, but just a question uh, to touch back, Dr. Van Meter, on a comment you made in the first half of the program, and that was talking about how people in general who are going through a wrestling match with LGBTQ issues in their own lives, that they really need to accept and understand who God has made them to be and that God made them perfectly exactly as they were supposed to be and, you know, not to feel that they have to change something necessarily. I'm wondering your thoughts, uh, both you and Trace, on what role society may be playing in this. And I would say Christian society especially, because I think we have perhaps unintentionally adopted a lot of strong and perhaps artificial stereotypes about what is, quote, normal for a boy and normal for a girl. And I'm, I'm let me be careful how I present this, but but for example— all boys have to love sports. All girls have to like ballet, you know, et cetera. There, there are a lot of gender roles that have been defined, and I think almost out of fear, we tend to underscore those and stamp them in bold, you know, no, this is how you have to be. And if our kids um, veer off of that a little bit, then we get nervous, and perhaps we're putting undue pressure on our kids to not be what God intended them to be. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, it, it, there's two children's books that come to mind. One is recently written, um, and it's a, it's it's a, essentially a book for children, uh, indicating that God made you a girl, and a girl is a girl. But these are the things that girls can be, and it shows the spectrum of behaviors of or more masculine uh, types of stereotyped activities that a girl might choose to do, and you know, play with trucks and be want to be an engineer, you know, and and uh, be an astronaut, and where. Uh, that uh, girls can be the entire spectrum, and and the, in the same vein, there was a book published, uh, recalled by one of my colleagues, that uh, back in a book from 1972, which was about a boy who loved music, uh, liked to play with dolls, and cared for dolls, and his father became very upset and and started sort of uh, talking to his own mother about it, and the grandmother said, "Listen, how is the boy to become a good father if he does not?" know how to care and love babies mm. yeah. and it opened this man's eyes and he's, he sure. saw his son in a whole different light yeah. so it's a, it's a way that I think yeah, stereotyping p- forces people into roles that they, they might not otherwise choose sure so sure. It's a great question. And, and there's a continuum uh, for masculinity and for femininity. I mean, there's some guys who, who are going to exercise some traits that are predominantly feminine and vice versa. My wife was a track star. Uh, her records still stand today. Uh, you know, I married her because she could take a good punch, right? <laughs> and yet uh, she's the most feminine thing in the world. I mean, she's just the picture of femininity. Uh, but she did have a, a gift to run, you know? And so, I mean, I caught her, but... <laughs> but uh, so I think there's a continuum uh, there, and uh, that doesn't mean that they're the other gender or sex. So that's that's my take. My, on own, my own personal experience, my oldest daughter, Katie, uh, could throw a football better than most boys. <laughs> and she ran faster than the boys as a kid. Uh-huh. She wanted to do things that boys got to do because they were exciting, and yeah. she saw that role. Yeah. Uh, but I will tell you that as, as athletic as she was, she, she went into dance and is actually a theater professional in Seattle. Wow. Um, she 
loves to be a woman and get dressed and get put makeup on to, and tastefully and 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 be as feminine as she can. But she yeah. said, "Dad, if I were born today, somebody at some school somewhere would tell me that I'm supposed to be a boy and I should be transgender and I'd be hauled off and given hormones. This is terrible. Yeah. And it's just you know, there you go. Trace, yeah. I know that one of the things that that Shepherd's Hill says about itself, and this is quite true, you do have students who come to Shepherd's Hill wrestling with LGBTQ issues. And uh, Shepherd's Hill does no reparative therapy per se, but you introduce kids to the love of God and the truth of Christ. Tell us a little bit about how that works for you and, and what the response is. Well, I think the lion's share of therapeutic uh, impact is just knowing and accepting the truth submitting to what's objectively true in life. And uh, no, we don't do any overt therapies that try to uh, pray the gay away or anything like that. But when these kids see that there are certain things that are objectively true and they see how it works, they start unconsciously submitting to God's ecosystem. Mm. And they, they like themselves. They get comfortable in their skin. You don't have to sit down and, and do reparative therapy. You know, the, the luxury we have, a lot of therapists don't have, is a year of being able to rub shoulders with these kids every day, where they're not being influenced by digital technology, 300 Facebook friends and Instagram friends and all the hocus-pocus uh, uh, worldviews that come across their way on a, on a daily basis. I mean, our cult, today's culture has, has teed up our kids for mental illness. I mean, it really has. Uh, it's systemic to who we are as a country now. Uh, but here, uh, they get a chance, and we say this a lot, uh, as Paul Harvey used to say, they get the rest of the story. And once they do, uh, it resonates in their inner being. And then you see that inner being start to blossom like a rose and uh, we don't have to force anything on them. It's just, it's a natural outworking of being, uh, of experiencing a little bit of the kingdom of God right here on earth. Any final thoughts to, to conclude our conversation for today? Well, I would just say that the family should have hope. Or they should have open conversations. They should, I believe, uh, look at their faith and look at what God has created for them and their children and celebrate that. Um, be accepting, be loving, be open to questions, and be forthright with what you know is, is the truth. Uh, don't be swayed by um, a, a threat of a suicide. Yeah. I, I always say a tantrum behavior gets toddlers uh, ver- nothing in a family that's intact. Right, gets, healthy. And, yeah, and so don't don't let a tantrum, a threat to, to basically guide you to give in to your child's uh, really significantly uh, inappropriate wishes. Because when you do mm-hmm. that, you're showing a weakness that gives them no sense of security. Absolutely. They're yeah. begging for security. That's exactly right. And never in our 20-year history here with residential care have we uh, found a kid that won't admit that the boundaries being forced upon them is what gave them the security to start accepting it on their own. But once we jumpstart, like jumpstart a car. Sure. Uh, then it has the capacity or he or she has the capacity to come up with these decisions on their own. And self-generate. The alternator kicks in. Exactly. It keeps their battery. That's what parents are supposed to be doing, right? They're the alternator for their kids. Yeah, Yeah. very good. 
Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of the American College of Pediatricians and a pediatric endocrinologist based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Dr. Van Meter, it's uh, it's been too long. We need to have you back again soon because obviously there's a lot more we could talk Absolutely. about here. Well, there's a lot more that I get to see every time I come up. It's, it's just <laughs> an absolute thrill to be here. Well, that is all the time that we have for this edition of Licensed to Parent. Remember that we produce this program to share some of the lessons that we learn in working with teens in crisis day after day here at Shepherd's Hill Academy. As always, if you'd like to learn more about Shepherd's Hill or if you can help our work financially, and we hope that you will, please visit us at LicensedToParent.org. Now, to make a secure donation, just click the Donate button at the top of the page. And remember, your gift can help less fortunate families who may need residential care but aren't able to afford it. A donation in any amount will certainly be a blessing, and the need is always great. Again, just click the Donate button when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.